Hello, and welcome to the Cantina Chatter Podcast. My name is Victoria, and I will be your guide on this adventure through toys, collectibles, and film discussion. In this episode, I am thrilled to welcome Britt Schatz, brand manager of the Jurassic World toy line at Mattel. This past April, the Jurassic World line hit retailers across the world, and Jurassic Park fans and collectors have been overjoyed with all the new dinosaurs, humans, vehicles, and accessories. There has been so much released in such a short time, with new toys coming out like clockwork, and more to come later this year and in 2019. While the general reception to the line has been overwhelmingly positive, Issues such as availability, distribution, and quality control have also been concerns to collectors. In our conversation, Britt and I will be discussing all of these matters, and we will be addressing the questions and feedback that you have submitted to the show. I'm really excited to chat with Britt, and I hope that you will enjoy our conversation. In last week's episode, I was joined by BBC correspondent, StarWars.com contributor, and the Empire Strikes Door producer, Jamie Stang Room. We had a fun chat talking about his unmatched interviews with a variety of actors from the original Star Wars trilogy. Jamie shared some great stories about his interviews with Star Wars legends such as Frank Oz, Billy D. Williams, David Prowse, and more. He also updated us on the latest developments in his The Empire Strikes Door documentary, in which he searches high and low in order to find the actor who portrayed the stormtrooper who bumped his head on screen in the original Star Wars film. We had a very enjoyable conversation, so I hope you'll give it a listen. But first, I want to give you a heads up about my new podcast, Discoveryland. Now, I am a huge Disneyland fan and a lover of Disneyland history. Given the nature of the Victorious Cantina YouTube channel and even the Cantina Chatter podcast, I don't usually get the opportunity to talk about this other passion of mine. So I felt the best thing I could do was create Discoveryland. Discoveryland is a podcast show about Disneyland's history, and each episode focuses on a different extinct attraction, show, event, restaurant, or shop. I talk about Main Street, Adventureland, Frontierland, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland, and I touch on Walt Disney, his Imagineers, and the going-ons of the 1950s, 60s, and beyond in order to provide context about each attraction. Each episode is quite brief, anywhere from 12 to 20 minutes, but I go pretty deep into Disneyland's history in order to put the spotlight on the legendary and also the lesser known attractions that are no longer with us. If you are a fan of Disneyland or its history, then please check it out. You can subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Pinecast. Or if you prefer, you can stream on YouTube through the Discoveryland YouTube channel. I hope to see you in Discoveryland. Before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to say a quick thanks to my Patreon Cantina patrons. Between the toy reviews on YouTube, the Cantina Chatter podcast, the Discoveryland podcast, and everything in between throughout social media, 
Victoria's Cantina is a one-woman show, and as such, your contributions are greatly appreciated. For as little as a dollar a month, you can gain greater access to Victoria's Cantina. How, you ask? Well, we have four different tier levels, granting you varying levels of exclusive content not available anywhere else, including behind-the-scenes featurettes, graphic design and photography tutorials, and extended podcast episodes. I'd like to send a huge thank you to Hannah, David, Jason, Mark, Ryan, Taylor, Zach, and Trey for being Patreon Cantina patrons. For more information on the Victorious Cantina Patreon, click the link in the show notes. All right, Britt Shots, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Wonderful to have you. So take a seat wherever you'd like, uh, maybe over there by that two-headed alien-looking thing. <laughs> Perfect. Do you have your favorite beverage poured? I do. I absolutely do. I am um, sipping a lovely uh, Malbec. Um, from my wine collection. I have uh, a pretty extensive wine collection here at home, and I, I try and make sure I, I dig into at least one bottle a week. Very nice. Uh, I have a bottle of Ace Ale. It's a pineapple craft cider. I've seen that. It is so good. Um, and actually, to anyone li- listening that's listened to the show before, uh, last year I had an actress named Angela Staines on the show. She had a small part in the cantina scene of the original Star Wars. And uh, this is actually the company that she runs now. So pretty cool. That is very cool. And I actually, uh, I don't think it was Ace, but I tried a pineapple ale um, uh, a couple of weeks back and it was absolutely delicious. So I'm going to, I'm going to seek that out next time I'm at the beverage shop. Totally. And they also have it on tap. If you go to Disney California Adventure at the Carthay Theater, they have it on tap there. Fantastic. I am there. I'm there pretty often. So I'm going to seek that out. (laughs) Very cool. So, uh, fantastic. Um, so, Britt, you are the brand manager of the Jurassic World line at Mattel. I am. That's correct. Tell us a little bit about what a day in the life of the Mattel Jurassic World brand manager is like. Yeah. Um, okay. So, well, first and foremost, I want to say my job is a very collaborative job. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm technically the marketing brand manager. Uh, so, I'm the marketing manager for the global brand team. Uh, it is an extremely collaborative role. We have a ton of cross-functional counterparts. Uh, I know, you know, obviously it's just you and me talking right now, but, you know, I have this massive team behind me that's working to help bring this toy line to life. Uh, so every day I'm working with designers. Uh, those are basically our creative force behind our team. Uh, they're really some of the most talented human beings I have ever met in my life. I, I know you you may have connected with some of them before, but Kristen, Roth, Ben, um, Derek, uh, Christine, Terry, Mike, uh, they are my family and they're my creative soundboards. So I'm, you know, in meetings with them every day trying to figure out, you know, okay, what if a T-Rex did this or what if a Mosasaurus did this and or felt like this, Um and then we also have our development counterparts, which are basically our engineers who they take, you know, the the things that we dream up and try and figure out if we can realistically, you know, make toys out of those items. Uh, and then um, we've also got our packaging team. So I'm meeting a lot with our packaging design team uh, and, our, and our engineers. And what they're basically doing is making sure that everything you see on shelf 
uh, is cohesive, uh, really drives our theming and messaging for the toys. Um, and then on the other side of all of that, you know, I'm working with those guys to make sure that everything that we're doing from a product perspective is all marrying up to the brand strategy that I've outlined, um, for Jurassic as a brand. Uh, in addition to that, I'm also, you know, the, the, uh, hub in the wheel, uh, that's really our, our main point of contact for universal. Uh, so we've got franchise, um, branding and consumer products counterparts over on that side. Uh, and then we've also got a massive commercial network at Mattel. So everybody from, uh, sales to the, you know, the retail teams with customer marketing, finance, everybody, uh, on that side. Uh, and then, in addition to that, uh, I'm also in meetings with PR, uh, with our social teams, uh, with legal production, trade services, you know, pulling together events like Comic-Con. Uh, and I basically, uh, I don't sleep, essentially, is, is <laughs> what that means. I'm kind of at the point now where I should probably just give up and set a cot up at my desk and just, and just <laughs> uh, but it's really great. It's really great. Um, uh my kind of my role and my function in the team is really just to to be that the core um, that, you know, all of the little spokes going out to all the different areas of the business. I'm just trying to keep the Jurassic engine running uh, and making sure that what everyone is doing is all driving straight back to our brand strategy uh, and really making sure that what you guys are seeing on shelf uh, and what you're seeing in TV commercials and and hearing about the toy line is all part of that same cohesive vision. So that is my job. Very cool. So it sounds like you're really busy, but that does sound like one of the coolest jobs in the world. It is so is. Um, it's such a cool job. Uh, I, I would say that the, the function of my job is cool in that I'm literally, I mean, I have to pinch myself. I'm literally sitting in meetings about, you know, okay, what do we want? What strike feature do we want the Carnotaurus to have? Um, <laughs> what's happening in, you know, in our bridge years between now and the next movie that we can try and figure out, you know, what cool theming things that we can do and what cool new features we can bring in based on what kids love about dinosaurs. Like I have to pinch myself that that's my job. <laughs> it's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, previously you told me that you are a longtime Jurassic Park fan. Massive, massive fan. It's actually my favorite movie of all time. Nice, very nice. So it makes complete sense that you're on that brand. It does. Um, so that was that was a really interesting, uh, interesting transition for me. I I started uh, I started at Mattel in a customer marketing role. So I was actually working um, on the accounts directly. Uh, and then a little over two years ago, um, I got approached by one of the VPs from the Boys Action Figures team. Uh, who came to me and said, hey, uh, there are a few people in the office that have made mention to me that you are a huge Jurassic Park fan. Um, and I'm like, yes, yes, please pause for a second while I hit the pause button on, uh, on my John Williams soundtrack here uh, as I'm listening to it at my desk and working. Um, and she basically told me that we were getting the license and that she wanted someone to come over and, and be kind of, you know, the, the brand champion behind Jurassic and make sure that we were doing right by this franchise. And it has been an absolute dream come true ever since. It's been the best job I've ever had. That's really incredible. So I'm curious to hear about how you first got into Jurassic, as well as a little bit about your own personal fandom, such as things you've done or places you visited that are connected to Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, so uh, from a personal perspective, um, my dad 
took me to go see it uh, when I was, I think I was nine years old. Uh, I remember us going to see the movie. I, I can see in my head, we were living in Charlotte at the time, uh, and I can see um, us sitting in the car on the way to the movie theater, and it was raining, and I remember, you know, the, the rain beating on the windshield. And I just remember that moment in time of seeing that movie and the the emotional resonance that it had with me at the time. I mean, I, you know, I'm as a nine year old, like I was crying the first time that I saw the Brachiosaurus on the screen. Like it was a magical moment for me. Uh, and I felt real terror when the Raptors were chasing the kids through the kitchen. <laughs> and I remember, you know, I had months after that, I remember lying in bed and thinking to myself, this is, this is going to sound insane, but I remember thinking to myself, okay, if a Raptor gets into my room, I could hide under the covers but they're really smart. So they would be able to see that I was breathing <laughs> and know that I was under there. And it's just, you know, those kind of crazy things that you think at, you know, that's awesome. three AM or nine years old. Uh, but beyond that, it's been something that's really stuck with me my entire life. Um, I, I have never been really a huge, um, a huge toy collector. I did have some of the toys when I was younger, uh, but it wasn't something, you know, not nearly to the extent of, of, people who are, you know, the standbys in the collector community, but I would say probably more the, the films and the music. My background is actually music. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if you know that or not. You probably don't. Uh, no, I don't. My background is in music and uh, just the score has been probably my favorite theme in any movie I've ever heard in my entire life, uh, in addition to it being my favorite film. Uh, and it's one of those things that when I travel, like I've been to, I've been to Hawaii several times and, you know, this last time we did the, uh, the ranch tour on the ATVs, ah, I got yeah. to come along, we wore the t-shirts, you know, we rode out and saw, you know, that amazing line of the, of the mountains where, you know, they had done, uh, the scene with the gallimimus running through, uh, the field, um, at the beginning. And I just, it was just the most amazing thing to be on this tour and see this and, and really feel like you were a part of this environment of this totally. moment in film history. So yeah, I have, I have a very deep affinity and love for this franchise. Um, and, and getting to work on the toys for it was just kind of a dream come true. Well, it sounds to me like they picked the right person for the job. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, my husband and I actually went out to uh, Hawaii in 2016 and uh, we did the Kualoa Ranch. Uh, we went on the the tour, and we got to go into yeah. the Indominus Rex paddock and the uh, the valley where the Gallimimus are, and the uh, the Gyrosphere uh, launching pad, and all that stuff. Uh, absolutely yeah. incredible. And um, bless my husband, he <laughs> I dragged him all over the place looking for <laughs> Jurassic filming locations. And then we jumped over to Kauai, and uh, same thing. I tried to find as many filming locations as I could from the various Jurassic films, and yeah. Uh, it was a blast. So much fun. I do you know what my parents were great sports. Uh, that was actually where we instead of going to um, instead of going to a family uh, a family event for uh, Thanksgiving last year. That was something that we just decided. Hey, do you know what? We're going to go to Hawaii, and I drug them along to um, to those filming locations in Kauai. I did the exact same thing you did, and they were <laughs> great sports about it. You know, they knew they knew that this is this is something that was going to be really important to me. And they've been so incredibly supportive and, you know, indulging all of my nerdy tendencies. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're of similar age then. I was uh, eight when Jurassic Park came out and I still remember going to, to see it. My dad, my uncle, my brother, and 
Uh, it really stuck with me, like you mentioned, uh, like the scenes of like, I remember always the T-Rex breaking through the glass. And yes. I mean, that just like terrified me <laughs> in that moment. And uh, obviously the films really stayed with me that entire time. And the toys have been a huge uh, part of my collecting life. And uh, I've, I've never outgrown that. That's one thing that I've always held on to. Yeah, I actually still, I, I just saw it out of the corner of my eye. Um, one of the first paperback uh, paperback novels that my dad ever gave me was his copy. Um, he had one of the earliest paperback copies of uh, of Jurassic Park. And I'm looking over it now and I'm like, Michael Crichton. I'm like, oh, there it is. It's this like beat up copy that's sitting on my bookshelf. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a part of my chemical makeup. It's part of who I am. Fantastic. Um, so one thing I'm curious about is Mattel's awareness of the things that fans and collectors were asking for before the line went into development. Uh, after it was announced that Mattel was getting the line, uh, my friends at the Jurassic Park podcast, who do an amazing job, yeah. uh, put together a video that a lot of us were featured in mentioning things we wanted to see, like rubber skin, human figures, uh, yeah. classic vehicles. Um, did videos like that and, and fan reaction on social media play any part on the decisions Mattel was making with regards to the line? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd say like it was one of those things where there were definitely, there was definitely a vision and a strategy that our, you know, our management team had in place for what they felt that they could do with the line. Um, I will tell you the archival knowledge that we have at Mattel, uh, is insane. Like you have people that have worked at every single toy company. You have people that have been at Mattel their entire careers that have 20, 25 years of archival knowledge at their fingertips. Um, so at the end of the day, they know what makes good toys. Um, I do think that, you know, there was, uh, some credence that was given, uh, in terms of like, we looked back at what people seem to really resonate with or what, what really seemed to resonate with people from the old Kenner lines. Like we all know that Kenner was the gold standard, uh, in terms of, of Jurassic, um, Jurassic product. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think a lot of us kind of wanted to return the toy line to that golden age of Jurassic toys. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those things where we, we probably, you know, heard some sound bites and things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I think our design team really, um, dug deep and, and figured out what was the best for each item and, you know, each theme within, within the line. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I think it was it was probably it was probably a mix of a lot of different inspirational sources at the end of the day. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, collectors still look back at those Kenner toys, and uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I, for one, was very excited to learn that Mattel is taking up the line. And I mentioned before that I have been buying these wonderful pieces of plastic since 1993. Uh, I still have all my original Kenner toys, and they just hold so much nostalgia for me, so, uh, so much okay. personal meaning. Um, but I think one of the things that continues to make them stand out is the fact that they have held up very well over the last two and a half decades. Uh, some of mine still look brand new, even though I got them when I was eight. And, yeah. um, but we went a long time without like quality Jurassic Park toys. And then it got to the point that the line just needed to be reinvigorated and reborn. And I'm just so grateful that this is where Mattel came in. Oh, thank you. We, that was of utmost important to us. Um, we take enormous pride in our work. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, 
our standards in terms of, of toy quality are, I would say, you know, higher than your industry benchmarks. Um, we, it's one of those things where I always like to tell people whenever they're like, why did you do this? Or why did you do that? Um, we almost always have a reason for every single thing that we do and every single choice that we make. And at the end of the day, it's always, you know, driving toward creating the best toy that we possibly can. Uh, so it means a lot. It means a lot to hear that. And, um, and I know the whole team is, is really proud of what we did. They did wonderful work. Um, so before we get into things like performance of the line and availability, quality control, uh, I started this segment on last week's episode called 10 questions Questions too many. many. Yeah. And it's quite simple. Um, basically I ask you 10 random questions and, uh, you don't know what they're going to be about. So Ah. are you ready? I love it. Bring it on. All right. Number one, peanut butter and jelly or ham and cheese? Uh, Ham and cheese. Number two, what is the last movie you saw? Uh, Last movie I saw was Crazy Rich Asians and it was fantastic. Nice. Number three, name your favorite dinosaur. Favorite dinosaur is... I'd say Brachiosaurus. Um, I I loved sauropods when I was little and that stayed with me my entire life. (laughs) Super cool. Uh, number four, would you rather be stuck in a kitchen with velociraptors or stuck in a mansion with an indoraptor? Oh, um, oh, I would say stuck in, stuck in a kitchen with velociraptors. I feel like if you knew that there was, you know, a meat locker or something nearby, you might have some, some things at your disposal that you could hopefully lure them away from you with versus, <laughs> where, you know, you just wide open you got nowhere to hide nice and it's funny how i had never thought about that (laughs) my mind immediately went to like throw some meat over to the other side of the room (laughs) out lock them in there yeah anyway nice uh number (laughs) five other than jurassic what is your second favorite franchise Ooh, ah um lord of the rings very cool I actually went, uh, me and my husband were in New Zealand earlier this year, and we went to the the Lord of the Rings, um, Hobbiton. We went to Hobbiton, and we got to see all the sets. Did you love it? Oh my gosh, it was incredible. Oh, um, and did you stop at, you know, the the Green Dragon and get your beer? Yes, at the very end. Oh my gosh, uh, I've I've been to New Zealand a, a few times. Uh, when I was living in Sydney, I, I, you know, I would go over just for like a couple of weeks and rent a car and drive around by myself. And I, I did, um, I did Hobbiton and then, oh my God, the, what a workshop is unbelievable. They had all of the props and everything from uh, district nine. And, you know, they had like the two scale of Sauron and like, it was just, oh God, it was amazing. (laughs) Really cool. Great stuff. All right. So fill in the blank. I could not go a day without blank. Ooh, I cannot go a day without. Uh, it, as weird as it sounds, probably sparkling water. I know that's weird, <laughs> but I probably run through about six cans of that a day or bottles. Cool. <laughs> Number seven. Have you heard of gray whale aliens from Mars? No, I would love to be enlightened about that, though. Sounds fascinating. Oh, I haven't heard about it either. I'm just wondering if you have. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Number eight. Who is your favorite Jurassic Park character? Uh, Favorite Jurassic Park character? I mean, I gotta say Malcolm. And it's, I mean, he's been my favorite for a long time, even even before, like, Jeff Goldblum revealed himself to be this, you know, sexy jazz playing... (laughs) 
personification of suave. Like, oh, yeah. he's amazing. He's amazing. He is amazing. Yep. And yeah, is my favorite character, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, number nine. Who drank all the rum? Uh, oh, wait. Who did drink all the rum? Was it... Was it Kira Knightley's character? Didn't she drink all the rum? She did. Elizabeth Swan. I think Elizabeth Swan drank the rum. Somebody had to drink it, I guess. Ugh. I mean, I would have, especially if it was an MI tie. <laughs> nice. And uh, finally, number 10. Finish the sentence. One day I was walking through Jurassic World when suddenly... I was set on by a pack of raptors. And then that was the end. And then that was the end. Oh, no, not the end, because then Jimmy Buffett escaped with his margaritas. <laughs> yeah, he, had, he had to save his margaritas. That's the most important thing. You know what? All I can say is that guy had a goal, and he had his priorities in order. He accomplished his mission. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Very nice. So we'll give you a round of applause there. Thank you. And this is where I'll insert the actual applause sound effects. Oh, I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Okay, so over the past few days, I've received a lot of questions from fans and collectors for this episode, uh, close to 100 actually. And uh, obviously we don't have time to go through that many questions one by one. So I'm going to sum them up and hopefully we can cover as many as possible. Great. Uh, firstly though, I'd like to say that a uh, fan reaction to Mattel's Jurassic World line has been overwhelmingly positive. <laughs> there, there was a lot of hype leading up to April 16th, which was the street date for the products. And uh, myself and others were documenting our finds through Instagram stories and Facebook live videos. And I have to tell you, despite the fact that most people I know actively collecting this line are in their 20s and 30s, uh, <laughs> we felt like kids again. Yes. Oh, God, that was that was exactly what we wanted. Um, we wanted to create a toy line that, you know, struck that perfect balance between the kind of features, uh, that kids wanted, uh, that kids want in their dinosaur toys. Uh, and you know, that breadth and variety to really allow people to fully build out their Jurassic world. Uh, but also with, you know, the kind of detail, sculpt, articulation, deco, you know, all of that, that collectors would appreciate. Uh, and, and that, that means the world to hear you guys say that. Absolutely. I mean, I've been collecting toys pretty much all my life, and I don't think I've had this much fun collecting toys before. Um, I, I think it's part of part of it is the nostalgia for what Kenner did so tremendously well back in the 90s. But also there's been this great like uh, there hasn't been this this widely available dinosaur toyland on this scale in a really long time since then. Um, and so, so many kids and adults uh, are still fascinated by dinosaurs, and I think it feels as if Mattel is essentially carrying the Kenner torch and giving fans and collectors a line that is worthy of that heritage. Oh, we love that. That's that's exactly what what our goal was. Very cool. Um, so the fact is that uh, toy lines are just not made like this anymore. Uh, there are constantly new movies coming out. As you know, there's Marvel movies, there's Star Wars, there's DC, so many franchises, and usually to toy lines are. Uh, usually pretty short and they don't really extend beyond a few figures and maybe one or two scales, maybe one or two waves. Um, so Mattel truly went all out though. Uh, they incorporated so many different assortments and price points and options. And I think that's one of the line's greatest strengths is that there are so many options available to consumers and everything is fairly priced. Um, so I have to ask what prompted you guys to make such an expansive line? Thank you. Um, well, I mean, 
just the universe that we had to work with first and foremost was so exciting. Um, you really, honestly, with, with a, with a franchise like Jurassic, you can go as deep as you want to. Um, and, and one of the things that, that we wanted to do was we wanted to, you know, surprise and delight you guys, uh, by the breadth of species that you were going to see in this. Um, I mean, I'm sure you guys have already noticed this, but essentially in every single mix and every single wave, you're getting new characters and new species, uh, redecos of existing characters, new features um, on characters you've already seen. Uh, mm-hmm. It was important for us that there was literally a toy, you know, for every single occasion. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you know, from a commercial standpoint, because in my mind, you know, I'm always operating like, okay, you know, we want to make sure that we are we are really giving retailers things that they can leverage and drive their business with. And from that perspective, we also wanted to give retailers some, some uh, modicum of ownability uh, within, the, within the Jurassic statement as well. So that's when you're getting into you know, the things like battle damage and the legacy line and all of that where you know, we were really just going as deep as possible, trying to give everybody their piece of the pie. Uh, and ultimately, the people who won out were us getting to make those toys and you guys getting to have all of those toys. Yeah, it's all been great, and I, I love seeing that each store has its own line. And yeah. um, I mean, more to collect. I mean, I'm totally not complaining. There's so much product, and it's it's been a <laughs> blast trying to collect all of it. I will tell you, managing all of it has been very interesting too. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I've been telling people, you know, we're living in a golden age for Jurassic Park, and it's not just in terms of the films and content, like the video games and the books, but yeah. also because of this incredible toy line. Uh, I think it's really hit the mark for so many of us, and it's filled a void that has just been empty for the, since the 90s, really. Thank you. I can tell you, um, for us, uh, it, it's been so much fun getting to watch the videos. And, you know, I, like one of the things that uh, I wanted to mention earlier when you were asking if when we were first kind of setting the lar- the, uh, the architecture uh, for the line and everything, if we had really, you know, gone down the rabbit hole of of looking at you know, videos and podcasts and all of that different stuff. I will tell you, we've become much more cognizant cognizant of that now that the line is in market. Uh, we are watching all of the unboxing videos. We see all of the Instagram posts. You know, my God, we're like reading all of the subreddits. We're sending them all to each other on the team. <laughs> um, it's amazing. We just we just can't get over how people are embracing this line and and I mean just getting to be a part of that conversation finally has been so exciting uh, for me and the rest of the team and, and just seeing how you guys have embraced this. Like I can't, I can't compare anything else in my professional career to, to how this, these last two years have been. That makes me really happy to hear. Not too many companies actually try and reach out and engage their fans. A couple of them do. Funko does that. And uh, I yeah. think Casbro to a to an extent. Uh, they used to do it a lot in the past. They're they're starting to kind of do it a little bit more than they used to. But I just think it's great. We love it, and I will say, you know, the one of the one of my favorite things about uh, about this job is really getting to talk to you guys and and reach out to you guys and and see what you're liking and you know even the stuff that you guys you know don't necessarily agree with choices that we've made or frustrations that you might have. 
Like we, we love hearing all of the feedback, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, you know, I think for us, like every opportunity is a learning experience. Uh, and we, at the end of the day, just want to make sure that we're delivering a line that, that everyone can be proud of and that you guys are proud to own. Uh, so the more that we're engaging with you guys, the more that we're tapped into that conversation, uh, uh, the better we're going to get at this. I love that. I'm literally sitting here smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so from what I've seen locally here in San Diego, and based on what I've seen and been told from so many people online, uh, the toys seem to be pretty cleaned out across the country. Oh. Um, how has the Jurassic World line performed compared with Mattel's expectations for it? Uh, I will say it has far exceeded our expectations. Um, I, I think that everybody knew that it was going to be a hit, but... The way that you guys, you know, kids, families, collectors, everyone across the board has embraced this line. Um, My favorite thing right now is actually going on a post and seeing someone make a comment that the second they see such and such in store, they're going to buy all of them. And everyone just jumps on them and says, no, 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 leave some for the rest of us. We all (laughs) want that. And I just think... You know, it's like we obviously want everyone to be able to get every toy that they want. The reality of the situation is right now, you know, we're still playing catch up. Uh, we uh, we are doing everything that we can to partner with retailers, to partner with our own internal teams, uh, to make sure that you know we're getting as much product on shelf as possible for you guys. Uh, and and. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to see how, how fast it's all moving. Uh, and, and we're just, you know, trying to ride the wave and make sure that you guys are, are getting your toys. That's awesome. And, you, you know, buying multiples of, of toys, sometimes you kind of got to do that. And some people might not like me saying this, but I bought my fourth Ellie today. Um, the reason that I did that yes, <laughs> uh, was that, um, okay, so first I bought one to just keep on the shelf, just displayed with the rest of the Jurassic World figures. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I had to have one to keep carded because I'm, I'm not really a boxed collector, but for the legacy line, at least I am trying to keep them some of them boxed yeah. uh, because it's a legacy line, you know, it, go, it harkens back to the original film. I love that. Yeah. Uh, then I have two Jeep Wranglers. I have the legacy Jeep Wrangler and then I have the uh, the one with the launching net that came with the Dimorphodon. Oh, yeah. So I need an Ellie for both of those. So sometimes you just need to have duplicates. <laughs> you got to have her. You got to have an Ellie for all occasions. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned that the store seemed to be pretty cleaned out. Uh, and that's not just brick and mortar, but also online. Yep. Uh, it's gone to the point currently where Amazon does this little sneaky thing they do from time to time, uh, where they're essentially a monopoly because Walmart.com or Target.com are out of stock on some stuff. So right. they raise their prices beyond MSRP. Uh, for example, they're currently selling the Wave 2 Claire figure for seventeen fifty, oh. and uh, attack packs uh, from $12 to $16. Yeah. And uh, these aren't third-party sellers. This is Amazon doing it. Um, is the lack of toys on the shelves a sign of how successful the line has been? And if so, is supply not meeting demand? Or are the stores simply not ordering enough product to keep up with that demand? Uh, well, to be honest... That's not information I have at my fingertips, and and even if I did, I'm I'm probably not allowed to share that with you guys. Uh, but I will say, you know, I, I think that what you're seeing on sh- the 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 lack of product you're seeing on shelf right now is is mostly a result of of just the velocity with which everything is selling through, which which has been amazing. Um, we are partnering with the retailers to try and and fix that. 
Uh, and um, yes, to your point, 100 percent. Uh, it is, you know, it's it's equal parts us making sure we're making enough toys, but also that retailers are placing the orders uh, and that everything's flowing through properly. Um, that is interesting to note on the Amazon front. Uh, I have seen, you know, I'm monitoring that on my end, even though it's technically not under my banner within within my job responsibilities. It is definitely something that, you know, we're keeping our eye on and monitoring. Uh, so that's really good to be aware of. I had seen quite a bit of stuff, you know, going through third party resellers, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what to say on that front other than, uh, you know, it's, it's things that we can continue to work to address with the retail teams. Right on. Um, yeah. so in your opinion, uh, without getting too, too much into it, uh, yeah. do you think that us collectors can hope to see that situation improve as we move into the fall and towards the holidays? I do. Yes. 100%. Awesome. Uh, so on the note of distribution, there are some items that collectors are having some difficulty tracking down. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago, Target.com stocked the Legacy Collection Spinosaurus, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not come back into stock since then, nor has there been any indication of it hitting stores in the U.S. yet. Uh, although I must note that it seems like it's pretty readily available in, in quite a few places in Europe. Um, can you elaborate for a little bit for us about what is going on with the Spinosaurus? I will try to. Um Yes. So I will tell you first and foremost, that is probably my favorite character in the line for fall. Um, I, I really feel like, so Kristen Sanzari, our designer on that toy, I think she just knocked it out of the park. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful execution of the Spino. Um, we all love it. Uh, we are in conversations, um, with the team right now, uh, with the retail team to try and remedy the situation. Uh, we all know you guys want it. Um, I, I have been recommending people to be as vocal as possible that you guys want it restocked, you know, let Mattel know and let Target know, uh, the louder you are, the, the more possibility there is for this situation to get fixed. Okay, cool. Really good to know. Yeah. Um, so another thing I'd like to ask you about is, uh, female action figures. Um, so I'm absolutely thrilled that Mattel is putting out characters like Ellie and Claire and Maisie out there. Yeah. Um, But each of them have only been packed at just one per case, whereas characters like Owen have have received uh, at least three unique action figures in the action figure basic line. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's packed in multiples in each case. Uh, At San Diego Comic-Con, Mattel confirmed that Maisie is a Target exclusive in the U.S., uh, which I think has made her a little bit more difficult to find than the others. Mm -hmm. Um, I found one about a month ago, uh, but I haven't been able to find the Wave 2 Claire figure anywhere. Uh, I think she's the one toy in this line, other than the Spinosaurus, that I've not yet been able to acquire. Um, so will Mattel try to adjust the case ratio in order to get more of those female figures out there? Uh, that is something we are definitely open to. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, we're also open to the possibility of, of rerunning uh, existing characters um, in future mixes so that, you know, we want you guys to have those toys. Uh, and, you know, like I said, the louder that you guys are about specific characters that you want to see or characters that you want to see come back, uh, it opens up the opportunity for us to have those conversations with retailers. So I will tell you, you know, there's there's a bit of an art to this. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, you hear, you see on, you know, Instagram and, and Reddit and different things like people know terms like peg warmers or different things like that. Like, I think that there is an opportunity for female characters in this line. I think that we have some incredibly strong female characters in this franchise. Um, Absolutely. A lot of it does definitely boil down to 
when you were talking about how things are weighted in, in case packs and in mixes, uh, a lot of it boils down to, you know, what the market supports. Uh, and knowing that those are characters that people are not able to find, there is definitely an opportunity for us to revisit and try and figure out how we can get that to a better place and, and get it to where you guys can find those characters. Super. That's great. Because yeah. we love them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, quite a few of the inquiries that I've received uh, were from international collectors outside the U.S., uh, collectors from Europe, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, they want to know if they will be able to get the Legacy Collection human figures and if they will receive popular releases such as the Mosasaurus. Do you have any information on that front? Ooh, um, unfortunately, I don't. Uh, just so that you're aware of kind of what my function is in regards to the, to the regional distribution. So I partner um, with the regional teams, but we have a extensive network um, of international counterparts. Uh, we have teams in every single market. And basically, they work with their retailers in their local markets, and they partner on item selection for their markets. Uh, so essentially, if if an item hasn't been hasn't been chosen for distribution in those markets, um, I don't really have an update or any insight into you know if or when that's going to happen. Unfortunately, but like I said, if if there's an opportunity for people to reach out to their local co uh, customer service and consumer service teams uh, and let them know that they're looking for specific characters, specific items, specific assortments, um, that would probably be the best way to alert. Uh, the company that you guys want to see those, uh, and you know, I can push from my end. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, happy to happy to let let our regional teams know if there are things that people are reaching out about. But at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, it's you know my recommendation. So, okay, fair enough. So, uh, for example, if a customer in the UK uh, wants to see the legacy human figures at Smiths, uh, they should contact Smiths Corporate and try and pester them to get the figures. <laughs> yes, but I would also I would also recommend um, reaching out to the Mattel side as well. Uh, so we do have um, we have support teams uh, in the local markets, um, and you should be able to Google and actually find uh, those contact numbers, whether it's email or phone. Uh, and definitely, one hundred percent, reach out, let them know that you're looking for the toys, uh, and and you know there may be opportunities for them to bring them into those local markets. Awesome. Yeah. So one of the biggest hits with older collectors, uh, those of us who have been buying this stuff since the 1800s, uh, has been the, the Legacy Collection. Uh, for the first time in two decades, we got action figures of Dr. Grant, Muldoon, Dr. Sattler. Uh, we received a near-perfect Jeep Wrangler that those figures can interact with. Stuff like that's just amazing. Um, can fans count on an expansion of this line, perhaps with more classic characters like John Hammond, Lex, Tim, maybe some characters from the Lost World as we move into fall in 2019? Ooh, um, I will tell you there is more coming for Legacy. Uh, we love the legacy statement. Um, we think that, you know, I, I personally feel like our, our, um, packaging team really knocked it out of the park with the branding, knocked it out of Jurassic Park with the branding. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, uh, I think that, you know, there is a massive universe at our fingertips, uh, with the classic Jurassic franchise. Uh, and I think that, you know, we've only touched on the tip of the iceberg. So, uh, I can't give any indication of, of what's to come, but we are definitely seeing the comments that you guys are leaving on social. You know, we are looking for opportunities to introduce, introduce new characters wherever possible. There's a lot for us to go back and dig in and revisit. Um, and, uh, and hopefully we get the opportunity to do that, you know, in the years to come. 
That's super cool. Super yeah. cool. I know we'd all love to have more legacy. Yeah, I, it's a fan favorite um, at our office as well. Um, we all love it. Uh, I, I know the um, uh, the legacy characters, the human characters, uh, are one of my favorite SKUs in the entire line. I absolutely love them. I have them all over my desk. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So speaking of legacy, how soon until Dr. Malcolm begins hitting shelves? Oh, okay. So we actually, um, we actually uh, just got the word right as we were going into San Diego Comic-Con uh, that he was ready to go. Uh, so I would say if I had to make a ballpark estimate, probably the next four weeks or so, I'd say look out for him here in about here in the next month. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we are so excited. Um, he looks fantastic. Uh, cannot wait for you guys all to get your hands on it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he should be, uh, rolling into target stores soon. Nice. We're all super excited for Malcolm. Yeah. And uh, I expect that he'll probably be uh, shipped with carry forwards of previous legacy figures. Correct. Okay. All right. So uh, last month, uh, speaking of Comic-Con, I ran a series of polls on Twitter asking fans various questions about the things that Mattel had announced as well as things that they'd like to see. Yeah. Uh, In a poll that asked, uh, which legacy vehicle would you like to see Mattel create for the three and three quarter inch line? uh, 80% said the Ford Jungle Explorer. And uh, I think that personally, if there was one item that seems to be missing from Legacy so far, it is the Explorer. Um, So on a scale from 1 to 10, with 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, (laughs) what are the chances that Mattel might create this legendary vehicle? Uh, Well, I can't give you a number, but I will tell you that we all love the Explorer. And if there is an opportunity for us to make it, we would love to make it. So that's I know that's a very coy answer on my part. Uh, but we all have heard you. We've seen the comments. We know that that is top of the charts for the fan requests, um, and we all love that vehicle. So that's that is my sneaky answer for now. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so a few items seem to be in limbo currently. Can you confirm that the Destructosaurs will be Amazon exclusives, and that the Lockwood Battle and Quest for Indominus playsets will be Walmart exclusives? Ah, yeah. So. Um, obviously everyone is aware of the situation with Toys R Us, you know, you, we have built this extensive line to your point. It's a massive product line. Uh, we, you know, gave retailers their ownable statements, uh, you know, with, with differentiated themes, uh, within that line. Uh, and Toys R Us obviously had a huge statement because Toys R Us has, you know, fantastic amounts of space for us to be able to work with, um, to work with, uh, and, in terms of the exclusives getting placement, uh, we have secured some of them. Uh, we've given some of them homes. There are a couple that are still floating around in limbo. Uh, but uh, just so that you guys are aware, the quest for the Indominus Rex set, which is that awesome buildup that comes with the Indominus, um, the Indominus skeleton set, uh, that will be Walmart. Uh, so Walmart will have that. I would suggest you guys keep an eye out for that closer to holiday. Um, and then uh, in terms of the Destructosaurus items, uh, we are working now uh, to make those available on Amazon. Uh, I don't have an exact update for you guys, but it's looking really good that you'll be able to get those on Amazon soon. Right on. Cool. Yeah. Yes, they've had them for uh, for pre-order for a little bit on there, and I think some of them even sold out of the pre-orders. Oh, yeah. Well, I will tell you, they are awesome. Uh, I like From my personal perspective, I think they're just tons of value. Like The piece count in those is amazing, and it's really fun with the little microceratus that comes you know, in the, in the breakaway cage. Like, I just love that magnetic destruction feature. I think it's really, really cool. So we've been working really hard to find a home for it, uh, for that assortment. And, um, and, you know, fingers crossed that'll be available for you guys very soon. 
Very, very cool. Yeah. All right, Britt, so I'd like to talk a little bit about quality control. Um, yeah. So with any mass-produced toy line, I think it's reasonable to expect that there are going to be some QC issues. Yep. Uh, that's just the nature of the beast. Um, with any toy line that I have ever collected, I know that I've encountered paint issues or warped plastic, uh, you know, minor things like that. And uh, it's something that I've seen with this line as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some collectors send me photos of dinosaurs missing eyes or missing stripes or the eyes are painted like half centimeter, but like below where the eye is actually sculpted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen Dr. Grant figures with two left legs, uh, superposable Indoraptors with loose legs. Uh, and some Sukumimus dinosaurs that are have uh, broken action features, like when they arrive to the customer. Okay. Uh, my own grab and growl Interaptor has an arm that doesn't work very well when you activate the arm's grabbing feature. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know that these particular issues may be the exception and not the rule, and I'm sure that a majority of the toys look and work as intended. Uh, but is Mattel taking any action to resolve some of these issues? Oh, 100%. Um, we try and keep as close an eye as possible uh, on what's happening from a quality control standpoint. Uh, as you mentioned, obviously things happen. Um, you know, a, a battery door might fall off in transit or, you know, someone's face might look a little off if there's slippage on the inkjet printing. Uh, but, you know, on the whole, we've been happy with with the product quality. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of those for the most part, do seem to be one-offs where we're able to very quickly jump on that uh, when we catch something or when something's brought to our attention, uh, and we address it with the plant right away. Uh, that said, <laughs> there was an image we found of a compi that was produced. Uh, it didn't have a head, hands, or feet. It had little, it had little stumps uh, in those body parts. And I have to tell you, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. I almost wish like I could have bought it back from whoever found it because I want it for my <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, but that's awesome. All joking aside, um, yes, it is something where the second we see something, we address it. Uh, we work with our QE team uh, and make sure that it's addressed with the plant as quickly as possible. Uh, quality control is of utmost importance to us uh, as a team. Great, great to hear. Um, so, what can collectors uh, do to bring these matters to Mattel's attention? Uh, 100% right away, reach out to our cons- uh, customer service team, uh, and they will work to, you know, replace, refund, uh, whatever the traditional steps are. Uh, we will absolutely work with you guys to make sure that, that you are getting, getting your hands on great products. Fantastic. Um, so some of the dinosaurs have issues with standing, and I know that these aren't QC issues, but rather design choices that do seem to affect some of the figures. Uh, for example, the very popular Ceratosaurus, uh, which is a fantastic toy. It looks so much like its JP3 counterpart. Yeah. Uh, it does have issues standing. I think mine stood maybe for a day, and then after that, it didn't stand anymore. Oh, no. Uh, the Metriacanthosaurus, it, it stands initially, but I think like with mine, after a few weeks, it seems like the leg had become kind of bendy and the plastic started to give out, so I had to pose it uh, in a different way in order to get it to stand. Um, can those issues also be evaluated for future product designs? For sure, yes. Um, I will tell you when we were designing the line, uh, having freestanding dinosaurs, you know, that capability was top, top um, priority for us. Uh, we knew that that was something where you guys were going to want them to be able to stand and display uh, for, you know, your collections, for toy photography, et cetera. Uh, so 100%, uh, anything that you guys are seeing, you know, consistently, if there are issues, uh, with, with species standing, like, let us know, we do a pretty good job of monitoring, um, monitoring the social channels. And, and, you know, we have a good idea of where the problem spots may be. Uh, and we'll definitely work to address those. Awesome. Really happy to hear that. Yeah. Uh, and this is completely a, a Victoria thing. No, nobody actually asked me this one, but, um, <laughs> 
if I had one thing that I might I might suggest for for the uh, any of the product, uh, it's probably a pretty minor thing in the grand scheme of things. But I think the one thing that the human figures they're very poseable, they look great, a very clean paint for the most part. Um, the one thing that I have issues with them though is holding their accessories properly, and I think that what could completely remedy that would be wrist articulation. Ah, okay, yeah, that is definitely something we can look into. Um, yes, thank you. That's good feedback. You are, I think you're the first person who's actually mentioned that to me. So I will definitely address that with the team. Nice. All right. So Britt, I'd like to move on to the future of the Mattel Jurassic World line. Um, can fans expect all of the current assortment, such as human action figures, attack packs, story packs, roarivores, and action attack dinos to continue into 2019? So I will tell you, that we do have several of our key assortments that you know you will continue to see freshness. Like you, I, we announced at Comic Con, we're going to have over sixteen new species in the line for twenty nineteen, which we are so excited about that. Yeah. Uh, I know for like one of the rolling assortments, we actually showed you guys a three D render um, of the Styracosaurus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we showed some three D turns of that. Uh, which is a new species for us, very excited about. Uh, but we also have some new things that will be rolling in, and I am working now to figure out how and when we're going to get to tease and reveal that information out to you guys. Uh, so we have some really cool things in the pipeline. Uh, yes, you can continue it to expect the kind of variety that you've seen in 2018 to continue forward. Um, that is top priority for us. Uh, and then... Um, obviously introducing, you know, new things such as we revealed the fact that we're going to be making a Brachiosaurus, which we are so geared up about. Um, I would say our team has probably been dreaming of making that dinosaur since day one uh, of getting the license. And we're so excited to finally get to do that for 2019 in action scale. Uh, and then we also got questions. Um, and I saw it kind of, you know, bubble to the top, uh, when I was reading through the comments on social, uh, that, you know, a lot of people are very interested to hear if we're going to be putting our stamp on the Indominus. Uh, and, uh, Derek, our design director, uh, actually had a very diplomatic response for this, which was, uh, that we as Mattel have been given, license to basically do a toy from anything that has ever appeared in the Jurassic universe uh, throughout the entire history of the franchise. Mm. It would be pretty dumb for us not to try our hand at doing something really, really cool with that character. So yes, you guys can definitely expect to see some really, really cool things uh, in core action scale for 2019. Love that. Yeah. That Brachiosaurus is probably the best thing since chocolate cake. I, I feel exactly the same way. (laughs) <laughs> really excited for that. And I love chocolate cake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. Um, so one thing I noticed recently when I was at Walmart, uh, this was actually uh, yesterday, was that they had their fall planogram out for Jurassic, and it was just kind of taped there to the to the shelf. Um, the planogram showed that the human figures did not have a space on the pegs. And uh, this was a Walmart that had previously carried them. I know that some Walmarts have them and some don't. Uh, mm-hmm. Should fans be concerned about the human figure availability at Walmart this fall? Uh, I can't speak to Walmart specifically, um, I will say uh, in terms of, like you said, uh, Walmart obviously has different planograms for, for different stores. They have a wide range of store formats. Um, but, you know, the the planogram is constantly evolving. Uh, we, as the brand team, uh, work closely with the retail teams to make sure that they are, you know, supporting all of the key items in the line. Uh, so I don't have a definitive answer on that, but I will tell you, there will you will be able to find humans in fall. Very cool. 
Yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier that Legacy Collection is going to continue. It's going to evolve. Um, Battle Damage has also been a pretty big hit with collectors at Walmart. Um, seems to be doing very well. Uh, does Mattel intend to keep Battle Damage going as well? Uh, I will tell you, I think Battle Damage has a lot of life left in it. So we we understand. I mean, I, that is one of the number one play patterns in terms of dinosaur play. Uh, so there is just a lot of really cool stuff that we can do with that theme uh, and that statement and that feature. So yeah, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Nice. I was really happy to see, and actually I reviewed it on the channel a couple of days ago, uh, that uh, that you guys retooled the, uh, the T-Rex. It has the new tongue. Yeah. Um, but I also was really interested to see, I hadn't heard this anywhere, but it has more detail sculpted onto the actual head. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did a little like side by side and you can definitely see like more pebbling, a little bit more texturing going on on the skull, which I thought was pretty incredible. Thank you. We, um, one of the things that we, you know, we obviously try and pay as close attention to detail as possible, you know, at, at the moments throughout the franchise. And we're trying to make sure that if we're saying that it's a specific execution of a character in a movie, that we are really delivering on, you know, what that character was supposed to look like at that point in their life, depending on what movie you see it appear in. So oh, cool. I would say that was probably a, some very strategic choices on behalf of our design team to make sure that they were addressing that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was really great. It's always great to see improvements. Thank you. Um, so a lot of product has been released in 2018, and I'm not complaining. I've been relishing all of it and buying <laughs> all of it, too. And I'd be too embarrassed to say how much I spent on this line, but it's a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, Mattel has announced the gigantic new Brachiosaurus that you just mentioned, mm -hmm. um, and uh, 16 new dinosaur species, which you also mentioned earlier. Um, considering that next year is not a movie year, can collectors expect 2019's offerings to be similar in size to 2018, or will it be a little bit smaller and more focused? Mm. Uh, so in terms of breadth of character variety, I think that you're going to be very, very happy with what we're bringing to the table in 2019. Um, obviously, yes, to your point, you know, it's, it's technically a, a bridge year uh, for us in terms of, you know, you're getting further out from theatrical. However, we feel really confident that we have now established Jurassic as, as you know, a, a top tier brand, uh, you know, as something that's really to be reckoned with in the action figure aisle. Uh, so yes, I think think that, you know, you guys will be very satisfied with what we have planned and the level of support that we're going to get for 2019. Very cool. And, and this is just anecdotal on my part, but it, it seems like it's even outselling Star Wars. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, Sorry, I, I, no one from Hasbro is listening, but that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I, I collect it, but I mean, I, it makes me really happy to see see that dynamic shift. Uh, I mean, Jurassic, like I said, it's, it's just been out of the forefront in, in terms of toys for a really long time. So to see it being so successful it just makes me so happy thank you we um like you said uh it's not the first time that i've heard someone say you know that they feel like this is you know re-entering a golden age for jurassic toy collecting but we have definitely felt you know on our side that that seems to be the general consensus is that you know that jurassic is really having a renaissance and obviously, you know, yeah. the new films are great. Like there's a lot of noise happening there, but I feel like you have, um, you have these, these millennial parents that are sharing their love of the classic movies with their kids. And, you know, I mean, God, when I was doing, um, when I was doing, uh, in, in home testing and like 
meeting with families in their homes and talking to their kids about, you know, what their favorite dinosaurs were, what their favorite moments from content were. These kids are falling in love with these movies all over again. And it's just really magical. It is magical to hear that. Uh, and I will say, uh, I, I think I probably cried 17 times at Comic-Con. Uh, I was working, uh, in our, in our booth and I was having conversations with people and, and, you know, getting to talk with them about how this has really reignited their love of the franchise and that, you know, it's actually strengthened their relationships with their kids because they love playing with the toys together with their kids. And yeah, I'm going to get all choked up if I sit here and talk about this much longer, but <laughs> it's just it's been so magical to be a part of that and to really see, um, see that people are embracing this in that way and that people really do feel like, you know, we've brought Jurassic back, you know, to the top of mind uh, when you're thinking about action figures. Like, that's fantastic. I love that. And yeah, I mean, completely agree. And I've seen instances of that on social media as well. On Twitter, uh, my friend Hannah has uh, shared photos of uh, her children playing with the toys and playing also combining them with the Kenner toys, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah yeah and uh my friend ted brothers recently shared a photo as well him playing with his daughter uh her her name is lex which is i saw that (laughs) i saw that i loved those photos oh my gosh yeah it's it's incredible just i like you say we're finally getting to a point in time where jurassic is becoming more of a generational type thing that it can be passed down and it can uh be evolved and carried forward in the form of new new merchandise and new films new stories and it's it's really exciting to see all of that I mean, and to your point, I can't think of, I mean, really Star Wars, Star Wars kind of paved the way for that uh, back in 2015 with the, um, with the Force Awakens. Uh, and I don't know that if, if we're able to capture that same kind of magic, like that's just, that's incredible. That's mind blowing to think of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'd like to ask you about repaints. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, some figures are being repainted and we've seen that like with the attack pack, some of them have new paint schemes. Um, we haven't seen any of the larger type dinosaurs like the T-Rexes or the Mosasaurus, for example, uh, in updated color schemes. Is that something that Mattel is looking at as well? Well, I will tell you, um, in terms of named characters, like for instance, a Rexy or, um, uh, or the Mosasaurus, uh, where, you know, it's a very specific character that you're hearkening back to from the franchise, uh, there's not as much opportunity there to go back and do repaints. Um, however, I will say, you know, we... We have definitely seen uh, the notes about everybody wanting, you know, the green T-Rex from uh, Jurassic Park 2. Yes. Uh, So, yep. So we know. We know that that's uh, one of the requests. Uh, I definitely think that there are opportunities for us us to introduce, you know, those kind of characters. Uh, And then in terms of, you know, the... The smaller dinosaurs, uh, a lot of the opportunity for us to go back and, you know, look at at redecos was really just to try and give you guys as much breadth when you're building your collections as possible. So that's kind of where we focused for 2018. Uh, we were really going for maximum character variety. Uh, and now, you know, as we're getting into future years, I think that you are going to be happy with what you're seeing in terms of, of new executions of the larger dinos. Very cool. And I just want to comment, I recently acquired the Wave 3 attack packs, uh, the Protoceratops, the Minmi. Uh, oh, the Pro- Minmi's so cute, isn't she? <laughs> she is. And I, I love how she's very similar to the Rorovores and Kylosaurus in the same sense that she's got those rubbery spikes on her back. I think that's great. Uh, yes. Yeah, those are, those are really cool. Thank you. We um we definitely, uh, we, we took... Um, 
we took a, almost a tiering system approach uh, when we were looking at how we were structuring our waves. Uh, and like I said, really going for maximum variety and, and making sure that we were introducing brand new species in every single mix. Uh, that was really important to us that when you go in store, you know, you're going to see new dinos on shelf throughout the fall all the way into holiday season. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that it was really cool that we got to do some of those kind of species that that people really haven't ever seen from a Jurassic line before. So that was really fun for us. Um, yeah, no, it's it's been really great seeing all those new dinosaurs and new species and like the 16 that you mentioned for 2019. Uh, that's really exciting. I know a lot of people are speculating what they're going to be. Um, but yeah, we're all really excited for, for the future, what uh, Mattel will, has in store. I've seen a lot of speculations and I think... I think a lot of people will be very happy. So that's all I'll say. Very nice. Very nice. At Comic-Con, Mattel announced six-inch figures. Uh, personally, I'm very excited about six-inch, as I know it'll appeal to collectors who would not normally buy Jurassic Park toys. And I think more people buying these toys can only be a good thing. Um, so just to be clear, uh, six-inch will not replace three and three-quarter inch. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So... Uh, when we were creating the line, uh, when we were initially pitching for the property, um, we actually, we laid out our plan for creating one scale for the toy line. It was very, very important to us that, you know, we were offering humans and vehicles and dinosaurs, you know, in this scale that was proportional to three and three quarter inch humans. Uh, I would view the six inch scale as a differentiated segment um, that uh, will essentially just be a select offering of key characters for collectors um, in that new six-inch scale. Uh, we are obviously open to expanding it if there's an appetite for it, but at the end of the day, our bread and butter really, um, you know, what you guys can expect the most variety and where we're really going to keep the pedal to, to the metal uh, is on that three and three quarter inch action scale. So 100%, this is not replacing that in any way. It's just us recognizing that at six inches, um, there's just so much more you can do. Uh, the level of articulation you can get and, you know, the detail in the sculpt, the facial features, all of that, uh, and, and the deco execution, um, you know, there's just a lot we can do there and also really, really delivering on some very cool packaging executions as well. So that's more how I would view that. Um, and, uh, and I would not, yeah, don't worry about three and three quarter inch scale. We got you. Nice. And yeah, the six inch figures look, look great. And like you said, you can incorporate a lot more detail. Uh, they're very articulated. Uh, they even have toe hinges and, uh, insert molded, uh, shoulders and elbows. And I think that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, and what, what we revealed at Comic-Con, um, I will say those were prototypes. Uh, so, you know, um, uh, we, we created some prototypes leading into Comic-Con because, you know, we just wanted to, to show them to you guys and, you know, get a feel like it was so fantastic to be able to, to talk with people there in the booth after we revealed the figures uh, and to answer some questions about them at the panel. Uh, but, you know, it was really just an opportunity for us to introduce the idea of what a Mattel execution of a six-inch Jurassic Collector Series could be because um, in my research, so this this segment, introducing this segment, was actually one of my initiatives. Um we knew uh, that there was an opportunity here because there really hasn't been, you know, other than the high end, high end offerings like Chronicle, you know, there really hasn't been a, an accessible collector offering for Jurassic. Uh, so it's a new entry for us. 
Um, we are totally open to feedback from you guys in terms of what you want to see and what direction you want us to take this segment. Uh, so please reach out to us and, um, and let us know, let us know what you think. Awesome. And as outlined at, at Comic-Con, it'll be more focused, correct? With smaller dinosaur species? Uh, currently the plan is to launch, uh, with what you guys saw, um, at Comic-Con, uh, likely, you know, you'll see your blue, uh, and your Owen, um, your highly articulated blue and Owen, uh, uh, for, for launch. Uh, but we are, we are definitely open to expanding into larger dinosaurs. Uh, we think that there is a, a really cool opportunity, um, uh, to explore what that could look like. Uh, and they would be in six inch, six inch scale. So, um, yeah, I think the sky's the limit. It's just a matter of us figuring out what the opportunity is. Very cool. And that is really exciting because, as I mentioned, uh, there are quite a few people I do know that are strictly six inch collectors. And um, but uh, when they first saw these uh, these six inch prototypes, uh, they I, I heard, had a lot of feedback. People said, "Yeah, I'd, I'd be on board with buying those." So. Uh, I, I think it's definitely a very uh, cool and very natural progression at, at this point in time where, a, you know, a lot of brands are six inch uh, for Mattel to branch out in that way. So, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. Yeah, for sure. And and I mean, I, I think we I can't remember if we actually said it at Comic-Con, but this would be a fall 2019 launch uh, uh, would be when these would start showing up. Uh, so tons and tons more stuff for us to do in our core action scale before we get to that. Uh, and a lot of opportunity um, for us to engage with you guys uh, on what you would want to see in a six inch offering. Nice. Well, really looking forward to it. Thanks. Um, so uh, now finally, Britt, for my last question, uh, is there any one new figure or dinosaur product, no matter how big or how small, that you can reveal it here on Cantina Chatter for the first time? Oh, Oh, I wish I could. Um, <laughs> I would have to have so many different layers <laughs> of approvals and agreements from licensing partners to be able to do that. I would love to. Um, that's maybe something that we could explore at a later date, though. No worries. Completely understandable. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Anything else that you'd like to add or share? Uh, like I said, I mean, I, I just, I can't get over you know, the amount of, of engagement we've been able to have with you guys, just your comments, your positive feedback, your constructive feedback. Uh, we've taken it on board and, you know, we hear you guys and just keep, keep talking about Jurassic, keep staging your toy photography, doing your repaints, you know, posting your photos, tagging us in your photos. Like that is what our team loves. That is what it's all about. Uh, we want to see you guys engaging with our toys uh, and we want to hear what you want to see in future lines. So that's really all I want to leave you guys with. Uh, and this has been a dream come true for me. And I am so excited that you guys are all happy with what we've done. Um, we were kind of working in a bubble on this for the first year and a half. And so finally being able to talk to you guys and engage with you guys directly is, has just been a magical experience. So thank you guys. Uh, for being so great. Uh, we honestly, I like to say Jurassic fans are the best fans. And I mean, I don't think anyone can argue that point. Fabulous. And I would tend to agree with you on that. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great community to be a part of. Absolutely. And, and again, the toys are top notch. Uh, I'm, I absolutely love the super colossal T-Rex. Uh, I love the Mosasaurus. Um, Thank you. I, I actually, the, the super colossal, my, I don't get to take credit for, you know, naming things very often. I provide feedback and direction, but I will say I did get to name the super colossal T-Rex. That's like my claim to 
That's fantastic. I'm happy to hear that. My baby. (laughs) It's a great name. I mean, you can't go wrong when something's called a super colossal this or a super colossal that. Exactly. I feel the same way. Super colossal glass of wine. (laughs) Super colossal chocolate cake. You're speaking my language. Well, Britt, you've been wonderful, and I love that you interact with the fans on Instagram and social media. Uh, it definitely says a lot about you and Mattel that you would come onto a fan podcast to chat about all this stuff. Oh my God, we love you guys, and um, you know, I, I I realize that you know that's not the traditional corporate way of doing things. I've never really thought of myself as a traditional corporate person. Um, I am totally open to you know people who want to follow me on my personal page. I will say. It is my personal page. Um, you're going to see a lot of cocktails and cat photos. Uh, <laughs> so that's a good time. Um, but, you know, I will answer questions that people ask me if they reach out to me and DM me. You know, I am I will give information where I'm allowed to and where I'm able to. Uh, my, my vested interest is in doing right by you guys and giving you the information that you need to find the toys that you want. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how I view my role. Uh, and, you know, obviously working with my design team to to pass along any feedback that you guys have in terms of what you want to see or things that we can do better. Uh, we take it all on board. Um, so I, I'm just I'm so excited that social media has given us, you know, this whole new way to interact uh, and I'm embracing it. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully I don't get in too much trouble for it. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that's awesome. And again, we all greatly appreciate that. And, and I'll say it again, Mattel has ushered in a new era of Jurassic Park toy collecting, the likes of which we haven't seen for 20 years and we might never see again. I hope we do. And I hope the line continues for years to come. Um, but thank you for all the hard work you do with Mattel and for us collectors. And I know that you put a lot of time and energy and passion into this amazing toy line. And we all appreciate you and your willingness to engage with and interact with us fans. Thank you. That I, uh, I love this. I love it. I love hearing that. And um, I think, you know, it's the start of a really beautiful relationship between our our brand team and the fans. Nice. Congratulations to you and your team on this incredible line of toys destined for the history books. Thank you. I'm going to share that with the team. Uh, I wish that, you know, I could have had some people join me on this. Unfortunately, due to other people's travel arrangements, it wasn't possible. But, you know, I I hope that I've spoken well on behalf of my team. And uh, I will definitely, definitely share that with them. Absolutely. All right, everyone, Mattel's Jurassic World toy line is out in stores now. If you're not buying it, you're really missing out. So head to your local Walmart or Target or order them online. There's so many assortments and sublines available. And even if you don't collect the entire line, there's something for everybody. Britt, thanks again. I greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me here in the cantina. Thank you. It was lovely. Ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for this episode of the Cantina Chatter podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank Mattel Jurassic World marketing brand manager, Britt Schatz, for joining me to discuss this incredible toy line. I know that so many of us have been really excited and hyped about these new Jurassic World toys, and it's been fun collecting them and sharing our experiences online. I hope that this episode helped to answer most of your questions, and I know that I, for one, am very excited about what Mattel has up their sleeve for the future. If you'd like to share your thoughts about this episode, be sure that you are following Victoria's Cantina on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I would love to hear from you. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we greatly appreciate those five-star reviews. 
They help to increase the show's visibility so that more people can find out about it. And again, if you'd like to become a Cantina patron, check out the Victorious Cantina Patreon. All of these pages can be found in the show notes. As always, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Cantina Chatter podcast. Until next time, bye-bye.